listener, beware. You gave us the scares. Hello. And welcome to Say Podcast and Die. The mini-sode. That's right. It's theories and queries. Yes. Where where we talk about the things that Goosepunk sent in, the things that you think, the things that you hope. And wonder. Today we're talking about Goosepunk comments on two books, Welcome to Camp Nightmare and The Girl Who Cried Monster. And there was a common theme in y'all's comments on these books. That's right. It was cover art. Right, which is one of my favorite things to talk about. The Goosebumps universe has excellent covers. It has excellent artists brought together to work on not just covers, but also the production design for the series, um, the trading cards that we always post on our Instagram and Twitter. So let's get into it, starting with The Girl Who Cried Monster. And you might remember this was a controversial cover. Yeah, it is capturing what is supposed to be a scene in the book where a bug-headed monster is wolfing down flies Well, a dark-haired girl watches on in horror from the door. But what we see on the cover instead is an accountant man who's (laughs) looking at flies while a blonde girl watches in horror. That's right. Totally different. So I don't know about you, Alyssa, but sometimes when I look at the Goosebumps covers, I get the impression that the artists were not actually told what happens in the book before (laughs) they were told to start drawing. I can see that being the case. It seems to be the case with some of the Point Fear books, too, I'm just noticing a theme. They're like, put something spooky. I don't know. Look, you got five covers to turn out this week. Just uh, whatever. There's a monster. There's an accountant. There's a babysitter. Who can keep track? So there's a top trading card uh, where the art was done by Wayne Murray that really gets this scene down perfectly. So I highly recommend going and looking that up. It's also on our Instagram. Yeah. And Twitter. But we asked you all, what's going on with the actual cover, the one that got put on the book itself? Uh, So we got a bunch of responses. Yeah. Sasha Death noted that Mr. Mortman looks a lot like Newman from Seinfeld, and that is spot on. Mm -hmm. I can't stop seeing it now. And The Haunted Outfit, they have a great account where they do renditions of outfits from different R.L. Stein books, noted that the guy in the cover looks like an accountant, which that's what we saw too, 100%. He's got a green visor. Why would a librarian wear that? Why do accountants wear that? I'm sure there's a specific reason. Better to see numbers with? It probably has something to do with accounting paper. Like, maybe there's accounting paper. Yeah. Maybe it's when, you know, you sign something and then it goes through the white, pink, blue, and, like, goldenrod copies. The carbon copies, yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's for seeing that. Oh, you like, can you, like, decipher codes with it? I don't know, but... Uh, it's apparently a these... thing we've all decided about accountants. Yeah. Then we got a few ideas about why Tim Jacobus, genius artist, decided to make the cover look this way. At Nightmare Freddy Krueger had a good idea that it's actually more unsettling because he looks normal. So if it was a bug-eyed monster, it'd be like, yeah, a bug-eyed monster probably would eat flies. But when it just looks like some guy who you don't really want to talk to, but is mainly otherwise just human, then it's much more upsetting to see him looking hungrily at a jar of flies. Yeah, it's true. Muerta de la Fiesta says, maybe to make it more relatable? Like, the covers were wild, but very rarely were they utterly surreal. Kind of might have judged the book by its cover more so with the more accurate cover, question mark? Yeah, so maybe this would make you more likely to pick it up? Maybe also your parents would be more willing to let you get it if it was just a dude on the cover as opposed to a weird slug monster. That's probably true, because they'd probably look at the cover and think, oh, what you're reading is just stupid. <laughs> you know, not having a real understanding of how high literary art can also involve bug-eyed monsters, right? <laughs> yeah, and also this will probably not make you bother me about having nightmares. 
Yeah, exactly. Mm, sneaking one under the radar. That's right. All right. Uh, Spongy 445 gave us some really interesting details, which is apparently originally R.L. Stein was going to have the librarian, Mr. Mortonman, eat a kid, but the editors forced, forced R.L. Stein to change it to a turtle. See, that makes so much more sense, and it would totally answer this question of why is he a monster. And it, A, yeah, it would make him a monster for sure. And also it would fit in with the way he kind of seems like subtly a predator, mm-hmm. um, like a child predator. Okay. Oh, it's just, it would also justify Lucy's parents killing him at the end of the book. Devouring him. A all. little more. I mean, not saying that I think it's just to kill someone for committing a crime, but I would see a little more where they're coming from. Yeah. So the other thing is Arl Stein has often said, and even recently said on Twitter, no one dies in the Goosebumps books. What about Mr. Mortman? Well, A, yeah. And Spidey. But also, that makes me wonder, was that an editorial decision mm. or was that an R.L. Stein decision? And he has, I don't know, maybe repressed some of the gruesome deaths that have occurred in the Goosebumps universe. Yeah, I feel like he must have repressed that. And I think that's a real travesty, considering how much Mr. Mortman was put through being unjustly accused of being a monster. Well, not unjustly. Well, he didn't do anything monstrous. He just, I mean, I guess eating a live turtle, I think, is monstrous. Mm-hmm. But he didn't do anything worse than most humans do. Yeah. I don't know. I appreciate that some of our followers on Twitter started the hashtag Justice for Mortman. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Keep it up. Fight the good fight. At Neon Arboretum agrees, I think, with both of our feelings about Mr. Mortman. Monster or not, he's kind of gross. And uh, recalls, oh man, I remember vividly being laid on my stomach on my bedroom floor, loving reading this right up until the description of the turtle crunching and less so. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty gross. I just... I think said it at the time, but this book didn't horrify me so much as make me feel kind of icky and sad. Yeah. Then Turbo J Jr. or Turbo JJR writes, Too bad Lucy didn't finish Frankenstein. It would have helped her understand why her parents need to keep their identity a secret, which is a great point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really smart reading, picking up on something. Arl Stein probably kind of put in there on purpose, I would think. Yeah, but Lucy hates books. So she that- finished Frankenstein. What would she have learned? That people turn on monsters. Yeah, that's probably the main thing. Um, That her future might involve... Reading more books? Paradise Lost? Oh, no. That would have horrified her for real. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Stop now. Being a monster means reading more books than forget it. Yeah. I mean, Mr. Mortman is a librarian. That's a good point. I wonder if in the Goosebumps verse, there's some tie between the amount of books you read and how monstrous you become. (laughs) We'll have to keep tracking that. As we read more books. Uh Uh-oh. All right, so let's move on to Welcome to Camp Nightmare. So we asked people for just their camp stories, and then it kind of, again, evolved into a conversation about cover art. In Art Mortis said, we asked for scary camp stories. We're still interested in hearing more of your scary camp stories if you've got them. Please send them. Please. But this one... This uh, is one of the scariest fucking things I've ever heard. Yeah, apparently when In Art Mortis was at camp, a girl got stung in the eye by a dragonfly. And In Art Mortis says, my little sister and I have been irrationally wary of dragonflies ever since... I'd say rationally. Very rationally. I didn't know they stung. I didn't know that could happen. I didn't know you could get stung in an eye. That's the worst place to get stung. Yeah. One of them. One of them. Yeah. That's pretty bad. Check out In Art Mortis's Instagram page for some really awesome horror art. Then the beautifully named at Mr. Mortman's library. One of my favorites. One of the reasons I kept reading the book was to find out what was on the cover. Possibly Saber? Yeah, we don't actually ever find out what is that creature reaching for the tent on the cover of Welcome to Camp Nightmare. It could just be one of the main characters. We don't know what these aliens really look like, 
But I mean, Saber makes sense. Or it could be it could be the image that Billy is just projecting when he's imagining Saber, because we don't even know if there really is a Saber. Or it could be the image Billy's projecting when he's thinking about what he expects to find on Earth. I mean, he wouldn't be wrong. Not that far from the truth. Mm-mm. We're less sleek predators, <laughs> more more uh, bumblingly callous than sleek and deadly. Oh <laughs> or yeah, bumbling and deadly. Bumbling and deadly. (laughs) And Fear the Talking Queers was really excited about the cover of Welcome to Camp Nightmare, which we were too, especially the otherworldly sky and how detailed it is. And at Fear the Talking Queers, who also have a great podcast about horror and being queer, just said, I always wanted to live in the world of the Goosebumps covers. What a terrifying yet beautiful and colorful world that would be. Yeah, I know. It's interesting that they're attractive, right? They're supposed to be scary, but it just makes you want to go to there. Yeah. Like Dorothy's visit to Oz, but that makes me not want to go there. I don't think I wanted to go to Oz ever. No, but I do want to go to Camp Nightmare. I don't. (gasps) I'll wait for you. I'll see you off at the bus station. When you get on the green bus, I'll say bye. I'll write you every day. Which one would you want to go to? Uh, Of the covers? Yeah. Hmm. Horrorland. Yeah, me too. Then we kind of opened up the discussion. So we mentioned that the cover for Welcome to Camp Nightmare is one of our favorites. And we asked folks if they had a favorite. And we got a lot of responses. Tweets to give you goosebumps said, My favorite Jacobus cover is The Haunted Mask 2. It just has such an eerie Halloween vibe to it. Yeah, it really does. The mask in that one's so different from the first one. It's got like this kind of old man face. But like really creepy. And it's like from a perspective where the kid is trick-or-treating at your door and like looking up at you and that's kind of what's creepy about it is it's a really small kid but with this old man face looking up at you in this demanding way with a trick-or-treat basket looking forward to getting to it yeah um hearing more about carly beth's feminist awakening yeah (laughs) speaking of sequels one of my favorite responses we got uh was on twitter from at blood bank blues who wrote Jacobus said his favorite was Monster Blood 4, and then put a frowny face. (laughs) Is that the hamster one? No, that's Monster Blood 3, or 2. I forget which, but Monster Blood 4 is the one that has these blue snail kind of things, slug kind of things, with eyes on stalks and these big red frowny lips. (laughs) And they're crawling all over, I think, a lab or maybe a bathroom. Was this maybe the sort of way of saying, look... I didn't get Girl Who Cried Monster right before, but God damn it, I'll do it this time. Yeah, you want to know what's in the book? Okay. <laughs> how do you like them apples? Yeah, it's kind of like how with H.P. Lovecraft, it's really hard to adapt a lot of his works because if you try to make them visual, it can look a little stupid sometimes, but it works really effectively as a story. Yeah, when it's just like, it was scary. I fainted. Right, exactly. Well, no, no, no. When he describes like, ah, this thing, it was a... Indescribable. A huge fish monster. Uh-huh. You know, with so many colors. And when you try to make that, it's like, that looks very silly. It looks like B-movie. Yeah, because it's really hard to put colors the human eye cannot detect on film. Right, exactly. <laughs> or to make a fish monster not look hokey. Yeah. So yeah, maybe R.L. Stein is in a similar place sometimes where actually depicting what's happening in the book, it just doesn't work on a visual level, but it does work really well in a narrative level. Yeah. So then Rat Damon said, it's hard to outdo the best monster in Goosebumps. The sickly green skin, the sinister glow of its sunken eyes, the jagged fangs protruding at odd angles from the drooling maw. No adaptation that has even come close, but that didn't stop me from buying a TV prop replica. Yes, it's the haunted mask. You can check out this tweet. Rat Damon posted the haunted mask replica that uh, that they own. And yeah, it's fucking cool. Yeah. Also... It looks just like the real thing. I'd be terrified to put it on. Or just to have it around the house. Like, imagine you're fumbling around for something in the closet, and that is what you find. Yeah, or your kid brother puts it on, 
And you're like, oh, no, now you're, you're a monster stuck now. like this forever. Forever. And then we got in some really smart observation on a sort of general level about the nature of the Goosebumps covers at Drink Plenty Malk, <laughs> uh, which is a Simpsons reference, had a really good point about how the Goosebumps covers work, kind of what ties the cover art together and what it has to do with the artistry of the books themselves. At Drink Plenty Malk, it mentions in terms of a favorite cover, How to Kill a Monster. Do you remember that cover? Mm, not really. It was like God, a, my memory's terrible. <laughs> it was like a green fuzzy hand reaching out onto a door, kind of opening it. And you can see a bedroom in the background that's full of just a bunch of stuff. Variation on Stay Out of the Basement. Yeah, kind of similar, but much more... Fuzzy. Cartoonish? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so anyway, At Drink Plenty Malk says... I love that How to Kill a Monster's cover is just a pure distillation of every element of Jacobus's Goosebumps work. The vibrant colors, the warped perspective, the feeling that this is just milliseconds before a jump scare. Yeah. That is really true on a lot of these covers, is it's uh, catching the moment right before something scary is about to happen. You're right. That's part of why they're so compelling. Yeah, exactly. And also the point about the warped perspective, it's something I've noticed a lot, like in Piano Lessons Can Be Murder... Or we were just talking about the Haunted Mask 2. It'll have maybe a fisheye perspective sometime or things will be weirdly flattened out. It's often a very realistic image, but one that's just slightly off. Yeah. Which is part of kind of what makes it compelling, I think. Absolutely. Or makes it, what would you say? What would a slightly warped perspective do? Makes you unsettled without being aware of why. Yeah, I guess it contributes to that feeling that something scary is about to happen because everything seems slightly off. And it's probably working on you on a subconscious level too. Right, like in Exorcist when they have bee sounds in the background. Bees. Right? Isn't that why those bees and lions? Yeah, something like that. (laughs) All right. So that's what you all had to say this week. Thank you for sending in such awesome comments. And obviously we love horror art. So if you are an artist, if you've done horror art, please um, send it or share it with us. We'd love to share it on our Instagram. And you can get in touch with us on Instagram and Twitter at SayPodAndDie. You can email us at SayPodAndDie at gmail.com. Tell us more of your stories. How did you experience Goosebumps? Do you have any memories of particular books? What happened to you at camp? Mm. <laughs> Listeners beware. Send us more scares. Ooh. Ooh. Good boo. Good boo.